This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Um, I, I, this year is, in, uh, is sponsored with, together with the food and everything in Le'ilu uh, Nishmas. His name was... Uh, um, I'm sorry, I'm like, I'm mamish out of it because of what happened in your own. It's like my head is just completely not into it. This is not going to be an easy share for me. But uh, it was sponsored by Nishmas. Um, I'm not going to remember. Barry Sugarman, Baruch Ben Yitzchak. Nishmas, Baruch Ben Yitzchak. So when you make your brachos, Baruch Rishonas, Baruch Achoros, try to have Baruch Ben Yitzchak in mind. But as well, just for everything that happened for the families that are, are devastated by what happened to Miron today. I just, and we should hear Besoros Tovos. It should be in a, we should be in a better place, and this should be, uh, it should be for, uh, for better things in the future. This is Parshish Emor, 5781. I'm going to try to get myself into it. I apologize, guys. I was just, my head is completely out. Parachav Dalit Pasuk Yud Beis. The Pasuk says, Vayinichayu Bamishmor. They took the Makalo. The Megade, the one who cursed the Jews, the cursed Hakadosh Baruch Hu. they took him out and they placed him in jail, Lifrosh Lahem Al to explain to them what Hakadosh Baruch Hu wanted to do with them. They had no idea what to do with this person who was the Makala. Now again, Hakadosh Baruch Hu saw that the Makala didn't do anything on purpose, so to speak. The way that the Chazal and the Midrashim seem to say it is that he was angry, seriously angry. And some say that he actually had a reason for his anger, that there was a reason for what he was doing and why he was doing it. And for that reason, for that reason, there could have been, it could be, that the punishment would be lighter than it would be otherwise. Moshe Rabbeinu shocked them when he said he didn't know what to do. The man had just cursed a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't know what to do. What are we supposed to do with ourselves? Everyone was shocked over here. Targum Onkelos says the word Bayani Chehu, that they placed them, actually means va'asruhu. They tied him up. They tied him up. They took ropes and they tied him around so he wouldn't get away, which is the same way that he translates this word by the makoshish eats him. They tied them up. They didn't want them getting away. By lot, when it says the word va'yanicheyu, that he was placed outside of the city of Sodom, it says va'asruhu. They placed him there. The same thing when other Marisha was placed in Ganeda, but here they literally tied him up. They put him in chains to make sure that they wouldn't get away. The Ibn Ezra, the Ibn Ezra says Mishma was not a jail. It was a special place in the camp, not necessarily a jail. Apparently, they were not worried he was going to run away. They placed him right there. The Machlokis may answer that Yelas Ashachar of Steinman wonders, why was he put in jail? Was he put in jail because they thought he might flee? That's Uncleus. Or because he, that was Dalacha, that you put him in jail until you decide his final din. And that would be like the Ibn Ezra. We don't know exactly what it is. In Sanhedrin, Ayin Chesmabes, the reason why they put people in jail is because they think they might be, I, I guess, who we think might be Chai Misa, so they don't run. But that seems to be a different case. That's because they were Mamish. They, they did something that was, they know that they were Chai Misa for. Over here, it seemed to be a bit of a question. So we don't know. It could be that they just placed him in one place. It could be that they tied him up. We don't know. The Balaturim says the word Bayani Chehu, this exact word appears twice in Tanakh, here and by Lot. And that's it. The other words are interesting, by Yanach, by whatever, different words, but it's not Bayani Chehu. It seems to mean he was placed somewhere, so listen to this Balaturim, so he wouldn't be harmed. 
He wouldn't be harmed. Apparently, there were people that were so upset about what he did, they were going to hurt him. So they got him away. They took this person away from them because worried about what was going to happen. In fact, the Nitziv says that the people who heard the Mekal curse Hashem were so upset. I want you to think for a second. You're sitting there in the midbor. You've got Ananiah covered all around you. The Be'er Shom Miriam you're drinking from. You're eating the mon of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And you're sitting there and you're hearing somebody curse out HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You'd sit there, you'd be like, what are you doing? How dare you? You'd punch that guy in the face as soon as you could. Says the Nitziv, there were people who mamish were ready to do it. So quickly, there were people who grabbed him and put him away so they wouldn't hurt him. Can you imagine that? So that they wouldn't hurt him. That's the reason why. The Mekoshesh was a little bit different. The Mekoshesh at the time, people didn't consider Chilul HaShavis such a bad thing. That's the reason why the Mekoshesh Yitzim did it in the first place. He collected the wood on Shabbos and carried the wood on Shabbos to show everybody how chummer the Isser was of breaking Shabbos. But he didn't think it was so bad in the first place. So no one was going to consider doing anything to him. So they didn't say Vayani Cheu that the Mamish put him in. It says different. It says something there. Vayanihu oso. There's no hurry. There was no worry. But over here, that rhymes. Over here, they purposely put him in such a place where they were worried what people were going to do to him. So that's that. So I don't know. Did they tie him up? They put him in a specific place because that's what you're supposed to do. Did they keep him away from other people? Right. All three of those are right there. Those are put together. Rashi says he was put in jail by himself. Even though at the same time, the Mekoshish ate him, the one who gathered the wood, possibly Tzlopchad, also did his sin and was also in jail. Nonetheless, they separated them from, them from themselves, awaiting their judgments to see what was going to happen. It's interesting to think that both things happened at the exact same time. It's very interesting to think that way. That's why it says by him, the difference is, says Rashi, is that by the Mekoshish, by the Makosh Yitzim, they knew he was Chai of Misa because he broke Shabbos. They knew that. But they weren't sure what death he should get. The Mekalo, they weren't even sure if he was Chai of Misa. That's the reason why by the Makosh it says, Lo Porish Maya Aselo. They didn't know what to do, but they knew he was supposed to die. Over here, the wording is, Lifro Shlom Al They had no idea if he was even Chai of Misa or not. That was the idea behind it. They simply just did not know. That's how Rashi puts it. Rechaim Paltiel wonders where he knows this from. How in the world did Rashi get that from the Pasuk? How did he know it? The Sifra mentions it. But what hint is there to the Pasuk? He suggests from the word Hanacha. Hanacha is weird. You'd say, Vayasimuhu. They place him. Vayitnuoso. They put him. That's what you'd say. The word Vayanicheyu, Vayanichu, that they put him inside with that wording sounds like he was put separately. It also could be, it's written Bamishmor. Not Bimishmor, but Bamishmor. We've mentioned this before. When there's a Patach in the beginning of a word, like by the Bays, that means it's in a known place. It means to say, Biha Mishmar. In the jail. What's the jail? It must be they already had a jail for the Makoshesh, and they added the Makalal to it. And that's how we know that something must happen at the exact same time. The Nachalas Yaakov gives a great explanation. I want you to think for a second. If, you, if I would ask you this question, why not put them in the same exact jail? What would you say to that question? I want you to think of the answer, and I can almost guarantee you this answer is an obvious answer. You'd think of it yourself. There's a couple answers that really are all connected to one another, why you'd separate them. The Nachalas Yaakov says the reason why is because the Makoshesh knew he was Chayev Misa. He knew it. While this guy, who may have cursed out a Kaddish Baruch Hu, he may not have been Chai of Misa at all. Think about what the Makoshish is thinking. He himself, right, would think if the Mekalo was brought into his jail. I think the other way. 
the Mekalal doesn't deserve to be in jail with a guy who's Chayiv Misa. You know there's a halacha that even if a person is Chayiv Misa and is Chayiv Skila, you don't put that person together with someone who is Chayiv Chenek. If they're Chayiv different deaths, even though they're both killed by Bezdin, Sanhedrin kills both of them. They're placed in different places in the cemetery. Did you know that? Different places altogether. We do not bury them. It's a Gemara in Sanhedrin, Dapmenbov. Sanhedrin made different areas for different types of Rishonim when they die. Says then Achlas Yaakov, Rashi is Mechadesh. They did the same thing by jail. You don't place a mass murderer together with a guy who stole in the same jail cell. You don't do that. One guy is Chayiv Misa. The other guy is Chayiv to pay it back. You don't place them in the same jail cell. Why? Why? Because we look at the person who stole and we say he doesn't deserve to be in a jail together with that person who had murdered somebody. It makes sense, doesn't it? Is that in itself a punishment? That what? Going into the same jail cell? I would think yes. Can you imagine? They're putting me in here with him? I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. I, I stole. Yes, I did something wrong. But I deserve to be with him. And it's the same thing with the dead. Even after a person passes away, when they're buried in the ground, they need to have good neighbors. They need to have good neighbors. I know this sounds crazy to us, but that's the nefesh of a person still gets affected by it. The Tam Bida says this is an unbelievable lesson. We cannot equate two people and their sins to one another. One, I would say, I would even go further. Rav Schnurbach doesn't say this, but I'm adding on to it. If one person stole and another person stole, I still wouldn't put them in the same jail cell. They don't deserve to be in the same jail cell together. Because the reason why this guy stole is probably not the same reason why this guy stole. And it could be that one deserves to be in jail more than the other. And that's not fair. He doesn't deserve to be in the same area as that. Now again, they're both punished. They're both chayiv in something. They both deserve to be in jail. Nonetheless, there is no reason for us to punish them for more than what they actually got. Merely just stealing something because he was hungry. Like doing something because you knew you had, versus somebody who has already has a, a couple million dollars and he steals an extra 500,000, they are not equal. I don't know which one's worse, which one's better. I'm not claiming that one is worse or one is better. Okay, I, I'm just saying they're not equal. You can't place them in the same place as one another. That's an unbelievable lesson to learn. Rev Gifter says the same. It's quoted by the Tal Leoros as Rev Sternbach over here. Those Nayim Latorah says, you have to think of what one would think about the other if one was found guilty, one was found innocent. Do you remember the butler and the baker? The butler and the baker, sitting in jail together by Yosef Atzadik. Can you imagine what the baker felt like when Yosef Atzadik translated their dreams? Now, granted, they were not Jewish, and Yosef Atzadik was told to translate their dreams, so it wasn't like they had much of a choice. But look at what happened. The butler was found out he was going to be freed the next day. He must have been super happy, ecstatic, going around saying, look at what's going to happen. I'm going to be freed. I'm going to be freed. And the baker is sitting there. I'm going to die. Do you know how horrible he must have felt? How terrible he must have felt? But it's even worse because the butler is going free. I'm sitting here thinking about myself. And then I look at that guy. I'm like, did I really do anything worse than that guy? And he gets to go free while I get, I get to languish in jail and then die? That's the reason why we don't put them together. If the Mekoshesh would have been Chayiv Misa and the Mekalal not. Or if the Mekalal would have been Chayiv Misa and the Mekoshesh not. If one of them would have been not the other, that would have been a horrible, horrible feeling to have. And for that reason, we never put people together unless we absolutely know what the punishment is. Paul, you first, yeah. But you can also ask why would Yosemite put them in the first place as well? 
So that's a great call. But remember, Yosef Tzadik was called the star of the, the jail. He went around from place to place to place taking care of what the people needed. I don't think he was in a jail cell per se. I think he was walking around taking care of people. But you are right. If they were in one big pit, then it would be a good kasha. But the Mitzrayim didn't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just answered that. Shlomo, yeah. Would it, if he did it what? It's a great call. Like, meaning, if the Mekoshish really meant it L'shem Shemayim, and that was the reason why they weren't sure if he was Chayev Misa, like they say about Tzlokla, that he did it L'shem Shemayim, and he shouldn't, maybe he shouldn't die, right? Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. It wouldn't be there. One of those Svaras wouldn't apply. But you know what I'm saying? One of the three can still apply. So I, that's why I said it's sort of like a combination shot that we don't want to make people feel bad. We don't want people to, to whatever, etc. I want to put it all together right over there. Okay. So, and this is an obvious one. What do you do if you want to go with the lightest punishment? Who remembers? What's the lightest punishment of the four Arba Misos? In the four Misos, which one's the lightest? Yeah? Sword is not correct. Or if you hold like Rebbe Yudah, then you're correct. If you're like Rebbe Yudah. But anybody, now take another guess. You've got three more guys. <laughs> Only three. Come on. Skila, Streifa, or Chanek? Chanek, yes, 100% is strangulation. That's the least of them. Why? It's Machlokas, Rabban Rabbi Yehuda, we don't have to get into it. But regardless, the Sifzei Chachamim says, if the Makoshish is Chai of Misa, or even the Makalos Chai of Misa, and we're not sure which one, don't, think, don't you think they would have given the lightest one? Why do you have to go to a Kaddish Baruch Hu? Stam Misa Bechenek. This is the Gemara, by the way. This is how we paskin. Stam Misa Bechenek. So why would you think it's anything different? That's how we paskin in the Torah itself. He also, he answers... That Mechalel Shabbos, Chilol Shabbos, is a completely different Bria. It's completely different. Yes, Stam Misa Bechenek, we understand that. But Shabbos is an extremely Chomer Avera. Why? Because in essence, you're denying that God exists. And I know that's extreme. But if we keep Shabbos, because a Kaddish Baruch who stopped the creation of the world on Shabbos, and for that reason he says, I want you to copy me, I want you to emulate me, then breaking Shabbos, in essence, I'm not saying out of Taiva, Breaking Shabbos for Shabbos. I'm, I'm, I don't believe in God. It's showing that you're going up against the Kaddish Baruch Hu. And for that reason, it seems more stringent. So although normally I would say, this might be something different. It might be on the level of Avodah Zarah. And if it's on the level of Avodah Zarah, maybe you should get Skila. And that was the reason why they waited to see what to do in this case. And this case, as Shlomo just said before, is so, so, so much more complicated. Because he did it because people weren't careful about Shabbos. So they wanted people to be more careful about Shabbos. And the Makoshish did what he did to show what was going to happen. Does he really deserve Misa in such a case? It's a great question. That's a great question. There's a Das, a Kenim, a Maskil, a David, a Be'er Basada that all talk about this. The Rush asks why they were misupic about what death to give him. We already know that someone who curses his father is Chayiv Skila. If you curse out your father, curse out your father, you are Chayiv Misa, Chayiv Skila for that. Why would you think cursing Hashem is less? Why would you think that way? You have a pure Kalvachomer here. Now, yes, Enon Shin Minadin. We don't punish from a Kalvachomer. That's a straight out, but the Rambam says we do. On Shimin Adin is one of the Pesachim of the Rambam. But normally we say, Enon Shimin Adin. Normally we do that. But listen to this. Amazingly, they had no doubt that he should get Skila. This is how the Rush says it. But maybe it's not enough. Hear this answer? Maybe it's not enough. You have to be Zoha to get Skila. You have to have a Skus to get Skila. If you don't have the Skus, then you don't get killed. Now you think like, oh, Baruch Hashem, he doesn't get killed. No, 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 no. Then a Baruch who gets involved. And you no longer get a kapara through your death. 
when a Baruch was involved, there's no kapara through skila straight by Harry Chenek. You no longer get that. They were afraid that this Mikala who cursed out a Kaddish Baruch Hu, sure, if you curse out your parents, you get skila. But maybe if you curse out a Kaddish Baruch Hu, you should get something worse, which is not skila. You don't get the kapara. You're not going to be that. Nevertheless, a Kaddish Baruch Hu was mochel his honor. He forgave his honor. He equated his honor to the honor of human beings. As we all know, a Kaddish Baruch Hu is the third partner, right? Our father our mother, and a Kaddish Baruch Hu. He said, I'm equal to a parent, so if you curse your parents, you get skila. If you curse me, you get skila. It shouldn't be that way. If you curse God, you should get nothing. You should be punished in the worst possible way. But says, what we're saying over here is a Kaddish Baruch Hu saying, no, 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 get skila. Hold on one second, Mati. Chida brings this answer in Nachal Kidumim as well. This exact same answer that you think it would be worse than that. Yeah, Mati, what's up? A king cannot be mochal on his kavod. That is 100% correct. You're asking, how can a Kaddish Baruch Hu be mochal on his honor? That's a solid question. I don't know. Uh, yeah, and I've heard this before. Hold on. That a, that a, that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is mochal on his honor and something else. Someone, what would we say? It lets him do, seem down. This doesn't lessen him in the eyes of the people? possible, yeah, that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is different from a regular king. You'd think, though, that the laws would apply. It's a good question. I don't, I don't want to answer that. Shlomo, that's a good answer. I, I think the question is better than the answer, though. I, I, I'd like to get into it. Unless we have a raya that we can see that a Kaddish Baruch Hu Mokal and his covered because of X, Y, and Z. I mean, it's said by the Chidah. It's said by the Rush. So that's a pretty good raya. But I, I'd like to see those words inside. Good call. Whole Moshe says the exact same idea. Did you guys know? If you send one kid through Moloch, if I took one of my kids and I sent him through Moloch, I'm Chayiv Misa, obviously, right? Chayiv Skila for sending through Moloch. If I send all of my kids to Moloch, I put them all through, I'm not Chayiv Misa. Why? Because it's so bad, I don't deserve Skila. That's the Gemara. The Gemara says it's so bad, you're not going to get a Kapar for that case. Maybe that should apply over here. It's such a heinous deed to be able to, 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 to curse out a Kaddish Baruch Hu. You don't deserve such a punishment. That's how the whole Moshe says it. The Chafetz Chaim says the whole point in bringing a judgment to the king is to see if he'll have mercy on the man because he kn- had he known what the punishment was, he certainly wouldn't have done this. Meaning, you bring a guy to the king not to be more stringent. You bring a by- guy to the king so that the king can have mercy on him. The king can say, you know what? I know he's Chayv Misa. It doesn't matter. I forgive him. And I'll give him a lesser punishment. That's what the king is supposed to do. He's supposed to make it a little bit less. How could a Kaddish Baruch Hu be so harsh to give this guy stoning, the worst punishment. That seems the strangest thing to do. If you go to a Kaddish Baruch, you're asking for mercy. But the truth is, this is mercy. That's how the Chavetz Chaim puts it. The way we've just said it makes a lot of sense. You're right, he should get nothing, which is the worst punishment of all. Because the Kaddish Baruch is going to get involved and not allow you to have a kapara. But we're allowing him to have a kapara. This is merciful. It's completely different. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was telling Moshe Rabbeinu that this is the greatest mercy for this man's soul to give him skila so he's fully mechaparim. And that's true about any punishment in the Torah. Though we don't recognize it, we may not even realize it. The punishments HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us our rachamim. That's what it means when Hashem puts Midas Adin in the world. There's still rachamim that allows that punishment to do the best thing for you. Because what you needed at the time in order to get to the next level, that's the idea behind it. Okay, all of that is the same basic idea. 
The Dasakanim wonders how they could have killed him. If this was a warning, which certainly was not a real warning. We know the halacha, right? You're supposed to go up to a guy who does something and say, you better not do that or else you're going to be Chayiv Misa, right? But you have to specify. You better not go ahead and break Shabbos because if you do, you're Chayiv Skila. That's a warning, right? But if you say you better not do that because if you do it, I'm pretty sure you're Chayiv Misa. But I'm not positive because we don't know yet. We have to ask Hashem. That's not a warning. And if you didn't get a warning, then Bezdin can't kill him. So how did he get a warning here? This is called Hasra's Suffolk. Hasra's Suffolk. It's not a real Hasra. You have no idea what the actual punishment is supposed to be. So he suggests the craziest answer. He says there were a bunch of witnesses there. A bunch of guys. Each guy was like, better not do that, you're going to be Chai Skila. Another guy said, you better not do that, you're going to be Chai Sreifa. Another guy said, you better not do that, you're going to be Chai Hareg. You better not do that, you're going to be Chai Chenek. All four said it at the same time. And he said, apple pecan to all four of them. <laughs> That's how he answers it. Then he said, nonetheless, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And he said, apple pecan right there. Now, that could be true because the Pasuk doesn't say Ha'edim. It says Hashomim. Right? There were people that heard it. So it could have been multiple people who heard it. We have absolutely no idea. We don't know. Maybe there were multiple people that were there. But it could also be an easier answer. There is an answer. There is a person who doesn't need to be warned at all. You don't have to warn them. A person who's a chaver, who knows what's going on, you don't have to warn them. Because what are you going to tell them? You, you go up to, I don't mean to say this. You go up to Rechaim Knievsky and you say, you better not do that or you're Chayiv He knows. <laughs> you don't have to tell him. There's no Apple Pekin in that case. In that case, a chaver doesn't need it. So it could be this person, Chas Shalom, is a chaver, right? The Mekalo was a chaver, or the Mekosha was a chaver, and therefore they didn't worry about Hasra Suffolk. It's a possibility. We don't know much about the Mekalo. We don't even know his name. We just know he's the son of an Ish Mitzri. Yeah, what's up, Shalom? Yeah, that's exactly it, right? That's literally the Gemara. It's right there. That's in Makos. It's right there where the Gemara says, Chavar ain't Tzar Chasra. And we do Paskin that way. We Paskin and Chavar doesn't need Hasra. I mean, Paskin that way. You know, the last time that we killed somebody in Basin has been a while ago. So, like, but yes, it would make the Rambam. If it, if it does make the Rambam. It doesn't make the Shulchan Aruch, unfortunately. But yes, that would be the idea behind it. The Moshe of Zikanim says they warned him about cursing the parents. They said, if you curse your parents, you're Chayiv Skila. So Kol came here, and he said, Apple Pekin. And that was the warning that they gave. I don't know halakhically if that works as a hasra. I don't know if you're allowed to do that through a kalvachomer that gets into on shimina din. The Taz in his Sefer Divrei David says, this was a special horas shah. It should not have been. You're right. It shouldn't have happened. They shouldn't have killed the Makawa. They did so even though there was no Asra beforehand, which is why a special speech had to be made afterward to all of Klau Yisrael, what to do in the future if this ever happens again. Starting with the words, Vel B'nai Yisrael to Daber Lamor. The truth is, right, this is a Gemara in Sanhedrin, at Dapeyam Abbez. It says, it says very clearly that there was a whole Ross Shah here. Now some say it was only Rebbe Huda, not the Rabbana, whatever, but it could be, it's Oros Shah. So if you ask me the question, how could they have killed him? It's Asros Suffolk. You're right. They did it only here and they would never do it at any other point. That seems to be the idea behind it. Tosefis Bracha talks about this, etc. Rav Hirsch says it's, I don't know if we want to get into it, but Rav Hirsch goes into the word Lifrosh. You want to check it out, Rav Hirsch says it. It's an etymological piece. And it's one of those things that like, I, if I was really holy, I would love it. I'm not the holiest, so... I'm, I'm not into this, so, but I have it in here if you want it. The Malaya Omer says Moshe Rabbeinu knew that this guy was Chai of Misa and also knew that he should get Skila. But the process is that the witnesses have to say it out loud. You guys know this, right? The witnesses have to go to Bezdin and they have to say, this is what the guy said, which means they have to repeat the curse of Hashem. This was Moshe Rabbeinu's problem. I know the guy's Chai of Misa, but I can't have the Adam say it out loud. 
Maybe I shouldn't do it. That's why he asked the Kaddish Baruch What do I do in this case? He's Chayiv Misa, but maybe he's only Chayiv Misa if he does it in front of Basin. If he does it in front of two Adim, the two Adim can't do it again. And you know that's Salacha. When the two Adim say it again, what happens to the Dayanim? You know what the Dayanim have to do? They have to tear Kriya. When they hear Hashem's name being cursed, by the Adim just repeating what happened, they have to tear Kriya. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, maybe I shouldn't do it. Maybe I shouldn't say it in the first place because I don't want a Kaddish Baruch Hu. I, I, without explicit permission, I don't want to do it. Now Kaddish Baruch Hu responded, they should do it. They should say it out loud in order to get rid of this evil so they know how bad it is. And therefore, we're going to get ready. And he says, the point is always the intention, the kavana. The kavana of this guy was to curse. The kavana of the Adam is just say over what happened and that's why we allow it. Yeah. It's an interesting call. It seems like, it seems like they originally needed a basin. But then Akash Baruch who said you can do it, and especially if it's a Ross Shaw, no, I don't believe they had a basin after that. Right? So that would be that. The Miyam Loez says the Suffolk was, they weren't sure what his status was. He was the son of a Jewish woman, an Egyptian man. Does that make him Jewish or not? Now don't tell me, what do you mean? We always go by Jewish women. And therefore that. He was the son of a Jewish woman, an Egyptian man, before Matan Torah. Before Matan Torah, it goes by the man, not by the woman. So therefore, this guy is technically not Jewish. Now here's the halacha. If a Jewish man curses Hashem, he gets skila. If a non-Jewish man curses Hashem, he gets hereg, sword, right? Your favorite one, saif. That's going to be, so you get one of the two. He wasn't sure which one to get. That's brilliant, right? You know what's funny? I actually looked up the source where the Miyamo always got it from, from the Abarbanel. He quotes it from the Abarbanel. The Abarbanel says, if he was Jewish, he was Chayiv Skila. If he was a non-Jew, he's Potter. I don't know why he would have said that. I don't know what the Pater would be. I have absolutely no idea why you'd be Potter. A non-Jew, it's one of the seven mitzvahs B'nai Noach. Very clearly, right? We know it. Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalet, and the big three. Right? Gilu, Ashrich, Zdam, Avodah, and Avram, Menachai, Birchas, Hashem, Kersh, Hashem, Gezel, and Din. I have no idea why the Abarbanel said it. I, he says it. I looked it up in two different Abarbanels. See if I had a mistake in mind. Two different Abarbanels. And the Miyam always quotes the Abarbanel and doesn't say it that way. I, I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. I don't know what that means. Others, the Minchas Blula and the Ramah, says the Moshe Rabbeinu knew what the law was. He absolutely knew. He was afraid if he said it himself, people would think Moshe Rabbeinu wanted this guy dead because he had Shaykhis to his dad. Do you remember who his father was? The Egyptian man. Who was the Egyptian man? He's the guy that Moshe Rabbeinu himself killed. So maybe Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to get involved because it was the Egyptian man's son and his stepfather. Anybody remember who his stepfather was? Who was married to Shlomi's Bazdivri? Dasan. Two people that Moshe Rabbeinu hated. So maybe Moshe Rabbeinu is trying to take care of the son because he's the son and the stepson of his enemies. And therefore, he's trying to do it. So therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu did not want to do it himself. He wanted a Kaddish Baruch Hu to be involved. Isn't that interesting to be able to get around? You should know, by the way, as a judge, if a judge is involved in a certain case, he should step back. He should step back. Like, I, I don't know how Dayanim do it here in Chicago, where you basically know everyone in the city. How can you be a Dayan in a case of somebody who you basically know, right, who's there in the city? I don't know. In New York, nobody knows anybody. Even if you're your next-door neighbor, you would have no idea until afterward, right? I'm not saying that bad to New Yorkers. But I'm saying, like, it would be perfectly fine, right? But here, I, I have no idea how that could be. On our farmlands here in Chicago, you, we all know each other, right? We all have a cow that we share. So, like, you'd think that that would be hard to do, but it is difficult. It's something that I think that's part of what the Miyam Loez was trying to say from the Minchablul and the Ramah itself. 
the Tzora Mor has another answer. It's a very complicated answer. I don't want to go into it. It's a whole big piece of, he was cursing Moshe and HaKadosh Baruch, he wasn't sure which one was going to curse. We don't need that for right now. The Meshachachma says the warning for cursing Hashem up until now was Elohim lo sikalel, which technically, by the way, was Elohim lo sikalel, which was the judges you shouldn't curse. But part of that is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and they knew, and that's in Parshish Mishpatim, which is only Chayiv Malkus. Included in that is Hashem. They thought maybe it's only Chayiv Malkus, maybe you're not Chayiv Misa. Kamash Malan, it really is Chayiv Misa because it's a different din if it's a judge versus HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's another one. And then comes the Chassam Sofer. Listen to the Chassam Sofer. He brings down a Yalka Shimoni in Parshki Seitze, who says, by the Benos Midian, you know the Benos Midian, remember the war against the Benos Midian, the, the people of Midian? Anyone who was supposed to be killed from those captives was spit out from the Anani Akavod. Remember, all the men who came back from the war, they kept some of the women alive from the Benos Midian. Some of the women were women who were together with Bnei Yisrael, with the Bnei Shimon, which was horrible. They couldn't believe they kept them alive. So everybody who was supposed to die was spat out of the Anani Akavod. I, I would have loved to have seen this. Can you imagine, like all of a sudden the clouds are just pushing them out? And they knew that those were Chayimisa. Anyone who was under three was allowed to stay. And they were kept inside the Ananiya Kavod himself. That's what ended up happening. You would assume the same happened with the Makoshish and the Makala, right? The Makoshish was pushed out of the Ananiya Kavod, so they knew he was Chayim Misa. What about the Makala? <laughs> well, there was a problem. The Makala was in what Shevet, guys? Shevet Dun, right? Or he thought he was going to be in Shevet Dun. Shlomi's Bazdiri was from Shevet Dun. Anybody know anything about Shevet Dun when it came to the Ananiya Kavod? Shevet Dun was already out of the Ananiya Kavod. They were Hanecha Sholim Acharecha. They never were in there. They were the Maasev, gathering everyone together. So you couldn't tell if he was Chayiv Misa being spat out of the Ananiya Kavod or not. The Benos Midian, they could tell. By the Mekoshish, they could tell. But the Mikalo, they couldn't tell. They had no idea if he was Chayiv Misa or not because he already was spat out of the tent, out of the Ananiya Kavod, because of Paso Micha and everything that Shevet Dun was. Therefore, they weren't sure. They weren't sure what to do, and that's the reason why. Unbelievable. Those are like six answers as to why they had a suffix about what it was going be. Now, I haven't even gotten into this. How could it be the Makoshish and the Kalal happened at the same time? Anyone remember when the Makoshish happened? The Makoshish Yitzim? Supposed to be in the second Shabbos they were in the Midbor. Second Shabbos they were in the Midbor. The Mikalal, if it's happening right now in Parsha's Emor, this is at least a year later. At least, right? Rosh Chodesh Nisan set up the Mishkan. They're already past that. At least a year later, how could they have been in jail at the same time? So some say that really the Makala was earlier and the Parsha's out of order to put it next to the Lechem Aponim because they learned about the Lechem Aponim earlier and really they both happened at the same time. That's one opinion. Another opinion is that the Mekoshish was actually later. It didn't happen in the second Shabbos. It happened much later when people were already being lax about Shabbos and that's what happened. Those are two different answers that they can give. The Chizkuni, the Moshe Zekinim says there might have been a second, a second a mistake. It didn't mean the second Shabbos. It meant the second year. Maybe that's what it refers to. We don't know. Baruch Schwab, oh my gosh, I, I think I'm all here for Baruch Schwab today. This Mayan Beis Shueva is one of the best Mayan Beis Shuevas that I saw this week. One of the best, okay? I don't know if it's the best. It's definitely not the best Mayan Beis Shueva, but it could be. It might be the best Mayan Beis Shueva. This is so classic Rav Schwab. You want to just, remember I said you got to punch the guy in the face when he curses out a Kodesh Baruch You want to punch the guy in the face when you hear this vort, and a person could even think not like Rav Schwab. Listen to this idea that he brings down. 
He says, by the way, now that I'm doing Yeshaya with Rav Shuav, for those of my Navish here on Wednesday nights, there is no one like Rav Shuav. He is absolutely unbelievable. I thought the same way when I did Eve with Rav Shuav, when we did, when we did Daniel and Ezra and Nehemiah with Rav Shuav. Unreal. Forget about prayers. Okay, it's, how do you not? He's unreal. He wonders, how did Moshe Rabbeinu not learn these halachos already? He was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. He learned all the halachos. And he doesn't know what to do with the makalel? Come on, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. He learned everything there. How could it have been forgotten? That doesn't make any sense. He answers that in order to remember anything, you have to picture it in your mind. You want to remember something? Let's say you want to remember an elephant. Elephants never forget, right? You want to remember an elephant. You have to picture an elephant in your mind. You can picture it. I'll bet you you could. It's a big gray blob with the big ears and a big nose, right? Basically, looks sort of <laughs> Jewish. <laughs> and that's fine, right? And yours is just gray instead of peach. <laughs> that's fine. So you have, you have that picture in your head, and you have no problems picturing an elephant. On the other hand, you want to picture an animal that you barely ever saw. Like, I'll bet you've never seen a proboscis monkey. One of the craziest looking creatures out there. Bet you haven't. My son has. But proboscis, normally you haven't seen it, Right? You want to picture a proboscis monkey in your head, even if you've seen it, you have no idea what to look for. You have no idea. You can't picture it in your head. You want to remember the halacha about a makala, a guy who curses out God? You have to think of a case of a guy cursing out God. Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't picture it. He couldn't imagine it. Someone's going to curse out God? I can't imagine such a thing happening. So it left his head. You can't remember things that you can't imagine happening. So it just left his head. He never knew it. He never had the halacha down. Isn't that unbelievable? So then Rav Schwab says, in and of itself, this is a strange thing. What in the world is a person cursing Hashem for? Have you ever thought about cursing Hashem? What are you doing? What are you, Lieutenant Dan? Well, why would you do that? Did anybody get that reference? Years ago. Okay, anyway, but like, well, why in the world would you do that? What would you gain by doing so? Either you believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right? And cursing out Hashem when you believe in Hashem is ridiculous because obviously it's not going to work. Or you don't believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. <laughs> what difference does it make? Why would you curse out Hashem if there's nothing there to curse? It's one of the two. So what's the point? She says, listen to this. What is the greatest pleasure that a person can have in this world? In Olam Haza, what is the greatest pleasure that we can have? The feeling of Dveikus Bahashem, connected to God. When you're in a, if you've had a davening like this, Baruch Hashem, I've been able to have, hopefully, I, I think I remember one, but a davening in which you mamish connect, you feel like you're talking to Hashem directly, and then Hashem is talking back to you. You feel that Dveikus, there is nothing greater in this world. The Dovkabo, that idea of a Sidbak Bashem, to stick to a Karshvarhu is the level of Ganade and it's Olam Haba. That's what we're supposed to have. Our Nishama is connecting with the Karshvarhu is the greatest pleasure we will ever have in Olam Haba. That's the greatest pleasure. Well, we know as Zelumazeasolokim, a Karshvarhu made us with opposites. If the greatest pleasure is connecting to Hashem, then for the Yetzirhara, the greatest pleasure in evil is disconnecting to Hashem. It's once you disconnect, the Yetzirah will give you a hana, a feeling of benefit, she'en kamohu. You will feel no greater benefit than you doing something so evil, like believing in Hashem and cursing Him out. 
It's exactly that. It's the worst sin that a person could do. Where you admit the existence of a God and curse him out for something that he did. Then the pleasure that you feel at that moment from the Yetzirah, from the Satan, from the Malach Amavis, is so great you cannot get over it. That's why Esau and Nimrod and Bilaam kept doing what they were doing. They were feeling undeniable and unbelievable pleasure by doing what they were doing. Every single time they, they cursed or denied or did whatever it was of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, they felt better about it. The Yitzhar gave them more of a feeling. It was almost like a drug. And the drug kept going. And endorphins are being released in their brain. They couldn't get over it. And when somebody told them, why do you deny Hashem? Why? They couldn't stop themselves. They were literally addicted to doing what they were doing. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine it? That's how Rav Schwab says the purpose of cursing out a Kaddish Baruch The purpose of doing so. As Allah, by the way, you know, there's the words. I'm not going to say the words, obviously, but gosh, and then darn it, stuff like that, right? But you say it in the actual way, right? G-O-D, and then whatever it is. Technically, that's not cursing out a Kaddish Baruch unless the it is back to Hashem. Because what you're saying is, this thing should be darned. This thing should be cursed. That's what you're really trying to do. Technically, that's not cursing out a Kaddish Baruch but if you say, darn you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you do something like that, right, in a little bit of a harsher form, that could be cursing out HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that might be massively problematic. Putting your finger up there and, like, pointing up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's like with Dor HaMigdal, when they were, you know, building the tower above El, that's like what they were doing because they were trying to curse who HaKadosh Baruch Hu was and what he represented. Again, they believed in God. Noah was alive. Noah was alive. Avram was going around talking to everybody about this. There's no question they knew who HaKadosh Baruch was, but the pleasure that they felt at that moment when they were building the tower, denying HaKadosh Baruch saying, we're going to fight you, HaKadosh Baruch was such a pleasure they couldn't stop themselves from doing it. Unbelievable, right? I'm going to end with this, guys. There's a Targum Yonason who says, this is one of four cases that Moshe Rabbeinu judged based on what Hashem told him to do instead of his knowledge of the Torah. By Dine Mominus, he was quick to respond. By Dini Nefashis, he was slower to do so. And this teaches, every Basin, every Sanhedrin must ask questions as much as they can when they don't know something. Even if they say like, oh, we're going to look, be looked down upon because how did we not know the answer? It doesn't matter. Get the answer. Ask the question. Find out what somebody would say on this so that you know. What are those four cases? Does anybody know the four cases? I mean, don't look, obviously. You know the four cases? One, obviously, is the Makalo. And we already had the second one today. It was the Mikoshish, the Mikoshish Eitzim. So you have the Makalo, the Mikoshish. What are the other two? Those are both death. Those are the Dini, the Isurin. What were the monetary cases that Moshe Rabbeinu did not know, wasn't sure about, and asked that Kaddish Baruch to go through? Beno Slavchad, the Arusha of girls, what should be by the inheritances of girls, which is clearly a monetary issue. This one is sort of monetary, sort of not. Think of four days ago. What holiday was it? Three days ago, technically. Pesach Sheni. Where they had to know about Pesach Sheni, right? Where they wanted to know what the halacha was for Pesach Sheni when the people were tummy nefesh, what they would be able to do over here. So in all four cases, Moshe Rabbeinu admitted, I don't know. And he went to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to teach us, not just once, not twice, not three times, four times, our greatest Navi and our leader of the people, the one who wrote Torah Shabbat Sav, obviously through HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he had to go to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to ask what the answer was. The Vilna Gon says it's hinted to in a Gemara, Megillah Bezim Abez. Menatzpach, 
Sofim Amrum. Everybody knows Menatzpach, right? Mem Sofis, Nun Sofis, Tzadi Sofis, Pei Sofis, Chaf Sofis. Those are the five letters that have a second letter, right? The Mem and the Mem Sofis, no, 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 etc. Menatzpach, Sofim Amrum. So we say that the Nevi'im said it. And the Gemara asks, it says, how could the Tzofim make it up? Ain Navi Rishai Lechadish Dover. A Navi can't make up something. How can he make up letters? And the answer is, Shachachum, they forgot them. The Chazruvi, Yastum. They went ahead and they refounded them. They put them back. You want to hear the craziest word? Menatzpach, says the Vilnagon, stands for the five cases that Moshe Rabbeinu forgot. Listen to this. The Mem is the Mekoshesh. The Nun is no cave Shem Hashem, which is the wording used here for the Makalel. He cursed out the name of Hashem. No cave Shem Hashem. Tzadi is Slavchod. Pei Pesach Sheni. And this is the only problem right over here. Chaf is Kuzbi Bastsur. Remember when Kuzbi and Zimri were together and Pinchas said, shouldn't we go, right? Shouldn't we go and kill Kanoyim Poginbo? And Moshe Rabbeinu said, Kraina de Igrisa, Iulehave Parvunka, you're the one who remembered, you should go ahead and do it. Kuzbi Bastsur. Menatzpach. Sofim Amrum. They said it. Shachachum, they forgot them, these five halachos, the chazru yastum, And they went and they brought it back. That hint in the Gemara is referring to these five and what it refers to. Isn't that an unbelievable remez? What an unbelievable remez. All right, we'll stop with that, guys. Have a great Shabbos, and we should hear Bistoros Tovos.